Hello, folks, and welcome once again to, at this point, we can, we can settle on it. There's no really arguing the point anymore, and we shouldn't even have to say it, and yet we do. But it's the best show in junior hockey. It's really the only show in junior hockey that you need to be paying attention to because it features the only man in junior hockey that you may need to be paying attention to over the next few years, and that man is Dan Kay. Dan, welcome to the show. Well, Lucas, I think they should pay attention to their coaches and, and anybody who's working along with them, also their parents as well, if you're talking to players. I don't think I'm the only person they should pay attention nope, to in the game. only body. person. Only, okay, okay. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Honestly, no, I'll take it. You, you know me. I'm, I'm a pushover. I'll take it. Just listen to me. And if you want to listen to me, you're going to want to listen to who our guest is this week. We talked, we bumped into this guy out at the USPHL Chicago Combine about a month ago. And every time we talk with him, it is offense, offense, offense. And it's honestly offensive how good this guy is. And it's offensive that we're just getting them on the podcast now because this is one of my favorite people to talk to in the country. And I'll tell you what, it's a coach that cares about his players and an organization that cares about their players more than most, man. They are one of a kind out there. It is head coach of the New York Aviators, Mike Stanaway. Coach Danaway, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing? I appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, we are, we're doing good, Coach. We're excited. I know you've been traveling all over the world, so we're happy that you're able to take the time to talk to us. You're in Colorado, Chicago, everywhere. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that you were able to, to stop and talk with us today. No, I, I tell you what, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I mean, anytime I get the chance to sit with you guys and talk shop a little bit is, is a lot of fun. Well, we're going to get into it. We are going to dig in deep with Coach Mike Stanaway. But first, we have to stand away here for a second and pay those bills. We've got our reviews for the week. Lucas and I talked to those hockey moms and dads out there, those hockey families, about what they need to take on their next road trip. We all know sometimes after a long day, you need to unwind with a brewski or two ski. Or when you're getting ready for your day, you need a little pick-me-up with a little extra caffeine, a little coffee in your system. Lucas takes that brewery stance while I take the coffee brewer stance, as obviously I run off of nothing but caffeine. Lucas, I want to hear your review this week. What'd you bring in to the show for the Dan K Show Presents Junior High? So this week, I've also tried to give my review a little bit of an aviator's theme. So I picked a brewery uh, from Brooklyn. I picked the Six Point Sweet Action Pale Ale. Um, still in keeping with the theme of, of this available beer. Uh, Sweet Action is one of the year-round beers that Six Point puts out. It's one of my favorites from Six Point. Normally, Six Point is really aggressive with the hops. Uh, they've got beers like Resin, which are just like taking a bite into a Christmas tree. I like the Sweet Action. It's a 5% alcohol pale ale. Um, it has an 88 out of 100 on Beer Advocate, which is usually a good sign to start off with. But this is a, a, a good beer for kind of the craft people and the non-craft people alike. The reason I drank it initially was because it has a close flavor to a couple of beers you may already be familiar with. It's kind of halfway between a pale ale and a wheat beer. It's got a little bit of everything going on. So one of the things that, that really I love about this beer as I, uh, I take a quick sip here is that it manages to, to blend the best parts of a pale ale, namely that, that little bit of sweetness, um, that little bit of piney hop flavor 
with the best parts of a wheat beer that like kind of lemon citrus a little bit of honey flavoring um a big sort of uh white foamy head which is where all the aromas come from if you ever get a brewery that doesn't pour a beer with a head or a bar that doesn't pour a beer with a head send it back because they should be pouring it with a head because that is where the the aromas come from and where you get the flavor from um it's a little more carbonated than you might expect but i think that works out well here that little bit of wheat beer influence um i think your big three is the 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 citrus the pine a little bit of honey i think it's a really great beer for a lot of people um like i said craft and non-craft alike um and it's available everywhere so if you're you're coming up to check out an aviators game or you're unfortunate enough to be playing that team come this uh this 2020 2021 season grab yourself some six point sweet action for when you get back to the hotel lucas uh, did you give it a score here can i have a score yeah so i i think this is a beer that takes the takes the the seven out of ten idea and elevates it so it takes a beer that could very easily sit in that comfortable range of that seven where it's like it's good uh it's kind of average you know but there's nothing really definite about it and it just excels it takes those individual elements it improves on them i'm very happy to give this a seven seven all right all right seven seven is a good score and i go to my coffee review here but Lucas, first, I get it just for the folks at home that are probably thinking the same thing I do. As a guy, number one, who lives mostly on bottled Molson ices or canned Coors Lights, wait for those mountains to get through. I don't know about the whole sending beers back if there's not a head on it. I'm not sure about that. But <laughs> on, on top of that one, do you? how many Christmas trees have you bit into? um uh, apparent apparently uh well apparently only one and all it takes is one to have that uh have that flavor in your brain it's you know what though i will tell you this if you're buying six pointer if you're in the area go get resin or you can go get basically any double or triple ipa on the east coast and you drink that and you tell me that it doesn't essentially taste like christmas in a bottle all right all right, I'll try it out. I'll have to check it out. But before that, let's get into my coffee review. I'm usually, this is where I'm a little less verbose for the first time in our lives. It's coffee time. I always make my coffee match our guest. And this week, the reason why I'm speaking a little faster is because I picked New England Coffee's Extreme Caffeine. And this is an extra caffeine coffee. It's got 1.5 times the caffeine of a regular cup. And for a guy that drinks a, a, probably about 12 cups at a, a day, at this point, a high test fuel to keep himself running through his three jobs. This is a coffee that I can get behind. Anything that says extra caffeine, you don't always know if you're gonna get it. In this case, you do, folks. It's got that bold taste. This thing's dark. It really, it really makes you feel like you're you're getting the caffeine into your system. A little different than like a death wish coffee that's just like pumped up with all this stuff and it's got the extracts in it to get you going. This is a natural 1.5 base. New England coffee, and this is the kind of thing that'll make you put up 200-plus goals a year as a hockey team if everyone's drinking it, the same way that Coach Mike Stanaway does. So I give this thing, uh, if I could, I'd give it a 200-plus scoring just to match how much the Aviators put up on the board. But I'm going to have to give this probably, I mean, taste-wise, it's good, man. It's a good, bold coffee. I'm going to stick with Lucas with the 7-7. Lucas, I think this is a 7-7 kind of day right here, and I'm feeling seven foot seven right now after drinking this, because I feel like I could dunk on a basketball hoop. I feel, which I haven't been able to, I wouldn't have hops in my hand, Luke, if I was holding beer. And that's, that's something that, that I, I've always, I've always felt. I, I can't, I can't jump. I just can't do it. 
Well, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not. You know, I was going to say I don't think it. I don't think it matters how much caffeine you put in my body. I'm still not getting anywhere close to the rim. Correct. So let's get into this now. Let's introduce back into this. Let's get into hockey. Let's get to the free skate. A chance to really get to know our guests. Talk about what's going on in the life of Coach Mike Stanaway of the New York Aviators, one of the best minds in the game of hockey. A guy that you always know you're doing a good job as a coach when every team comes up to us at every showcase and talks about how frustrating it is to play against your squad. And that's just what Coach Stanaway has accomplished with his program there with the New York Aviators. Coach, first of all, welcome in. Second of all, is have scored team scored any goals in the offseason so far? Because I gotta imagine that's how you guys put up the totals you do. Yeah, I mean we're we're starting already. In fact, we're getting the the coffee uh, installed in the locker room, so we're we're ready to go. Oh, I love that. You got that's that's a team model after my own heart. I'll tell you. Last time I was out there in, in Brooklyn to check out a game, uh, the Dreyer family who runs that organization. First of all, two of my favorite people on the planet, right there. They brought out the entire. They had a deli plate for me. They had they had the hot peppers, the sweet peppers. We had a little that New York experience where you could walk into a home and it, it's me casa as su casa, and I, and I felt at home, man. It was it was so much fun to be there. They feed you well. They feed Lucas and I every time they see us on the road, Coach. How do you not – I would be a billion pounds if I coached the New York Aviators. <laughs> how do you stay in shape out there with how well you guys are fed? I tell you what, that is, that is one thing with this organization. The kids are very well taken care of, especially, especially on the road. You know, whether it's at the rink or whether it's at the hotel, I mean, the meals that these guys are catered for pregame and, and the food after the game, you know, they're, they're definitely fueled, you know. So the only thing they have to concentrate on is playing hockey. We don't want these guys worrying about – you know, where we're going to eat, what we're going to do, everything's laid out. So all they have to do is just, you know, get their head in the game. And that's it. And that's what you see your team do so well, coach. And when you play your style, it's, it's high flying, it's fast moving, but it allows the guys to really express themselves on the ice. And that's what I take so much from out of this offense that I watch in the system that you run. You trust the guys you put on the ice. You trust them with the puck. You trust they're not going to turn it over. And, and can, can you talk a little bit about where your ideology came from? Because one of my favorite things you were telling us out there in Chicago is there's been times where Chell's even been involved in some of your decision-making. Yeah, I mean, you know, what we do here is, you know, really allow the players to express themselves on the ice. And, you know, especially with how our schedule's laid out with so many showcases and you go to a rink and there's, you know, 20 teams there you know, we may only get a scout that watches us for 10 minutes and then moves on to the next game or maybe a period. We want to engage that that scout or that coach to be able to stay and watch what we do, you know. So when we, you know, put together our plan as a coaching staff, you know, you don't see us do things like chip the puck or, or things like that. You know, what we do is try to show what our players can't do or what they can do, not, you know, not limit what they can do on the ice. I mean, I've, I've, my boy's 11 years old. He plays peewees. You know, he can go over the red line and chip the puck. You know, that's not what we want to do. We want to show what our guys can do. And does it bite me in the tail every now and again? Absolutely. But you know what? you know, sometimes you get some pretty good razzle-dazzle plays out of it that really turn some heads from the scouts, which is what we're doing here. You know, I think if the if it was more about winning and less about player movement, I think maybe my uh, ideology might shift a little bit. Um, but for what we're trying to do, we're trying to showcase our players and what we can do. So it's, it's showtime all the time. 
and that coach winning is something you're still synonymous with. I mean, you still, even with that player first mindset, that, that ability to move players to the next level, the, the opportunities you create for some of the, some of the talented skaters that have come through that building there in Brooklyn at the Aviator Sports Center, you know, you're still winning off the ice as well. And we, we look here at an event that was just announced earlier today, and you guys are going to be working with the Detroit Fighting Irish coming up August 15th and 16th. Could you tell the folks at home a little bit about that and, and how they can maybe get involved? I'm, I'm really excited about it. You know, I've known Danny Vasquez there with uh... – with Detroit Fighting Irish and and actually Sam Shaheen is a for you know one of the assistant coaches there um, is a former aviator so you know I've I've known those guys a while and and Danny and I go back to my first year coaching junior back in the old Great Lakes Junior Hockey League I was in Stevens Point and uh, he was still in Detroit so we go back a long long ways that was when I was first starting out and now I'm one of the old guys and you know so. I've known him for a long time and, and we were chatting a little bit uh, back in Indiana and uh, we chatted a little bit more um, this weekend and, uh, you know, just came up with the idea, said, Hey, why don't we do a, a little joint camp in Detroit and me being from Michigan, I'm, I'm all for going home. So I was excited about it. So we're going to, we're going to get that going. Um, you know, we'll put the information out on how players can register, but you can go there and, uh, you know, get the opportunity to be seen by, by two good organizations and, uh, you know, hopefully find a nice home. I love that. And Dan Danny Vasquez and I, the first time I met Dan Vasquez was alongside Brett Brunito, who used to be the marketing agent with the league, a, a former Capitals draft pick. And Brett and I are out in Detroit and it's negative three degrees. And Dan Vasquez takes us to a authentic Mexican restaurant in downtown Detroit some of the best food I ever ate we went and took in an outdoor hockey game and then he and I and Brett went and reminisced the old Tiger Stadium for about four hours after the game it was it was an incredible time and that's he's a, he's another one of those guys I mean it fits what you guys are doing there in New York it's that family atmosphere it's trying to make guys feel comfortable with where they're playing and ensuring the player has a good experience he's he and you know it's funny he's one of the good guys and and this goes back a ways like you know, this is, go I think I'm going into my 11th year of, of coaching junior. And, you know, so my first year, I mean, I'm a real young coach and we're playing in Detroit and it was, it was, hockey was different 11 years ago. It was a lot more physical game. You did a lot more fights and whatnot. So it is, but it just kind of shows what kind of guy Danny is. Our, our teams are absolutely just going at it. I mean, it was a complete bloodbath, you know, fight after fight. And then what, you know, right after the game, Danny's like, all right, come on, let's go. We're going for a beer. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like it. That, and that's the point of the game, right? That, that's where yeah. this game lies. It's, it's, the, it's the respect once that whistle blows and the final second takes off. That it, it may, that's what makes the good guys. And he was great, too. Like, he really, you know, almost like a mentor to me because, you know, I, I mean, I was young. I had really no idea what I was doing. And, you know, he was always there to, to give encouragement or give advice and, you know, really set me on the path for, you know, what I'm doing now. I mean, I can point, you know, a good chunk of that back to, to Danny Vasquez and, you know, kind of the example he set for me. I love it. And, and we have so much more to come, folks. I got to let Lucas get in here because I know he's dying to ask questions. Mr. Defense himself, Lucas Jones, he's probably cringing right now thinking about having to ask 
about maybe going six on three on a five on three power play chance and pulling that net minder. He doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to ask about it. This is the guy who challenged the New York Aviators and was embarrassed. Embarrassed. This is a man who wants to see one nothing battles each and every day, but is forced to watch some of the most beautiful hockey, Dan K hockey, as I like to call it, when Mike Stanaway comes in, the head coach of the all Dan K premier hockey team. We go now to Lucas Jones to start up the Q&A with coach Mike Stanaway of the New York Aviators. So before we hopped on today's podcast, I had to do a little bit of research and, you know, we, we always try to research our, our guests and, and so we could talk to them about their career in the game of hockey, but I had to do very specific aviators research. So I went on Wikipedia and I Googled offense and it turns out that what offense is, is scoring a whole bunch of goals. And what offense is, is what the New York aviators do best. And you know, it's interesting because I, I think one of the things that has been the constant all the years that we've watched this team is, it, it is I guess, kind of a cliche. It's the idea of the best way to play defense is 200 feet from your own net. And that has certainly been the case for this Aviator squad for multiple years. Uh, so the first thing, Coach, that I want to ask you is, how have you settled on this this blisteringly effective offensive attack? Did it start? from owners ownership and and yourself as coach or did it come from the squad and the makeup of the team that you had no actually you know this was uh something you know this mindset i've been kind of tinkering and developing since i first started coaching junior and when i was out west um you know my owners actually used to fight me tooth and nail on it but you know i was just of the mindset is you know i really want to show the skill set of our guys. I really want to show the creativity. I really want to show our ability to pass the puck and, and, uh, and transition up the ice. So, you know, this is something that every year, I mean, we, we put a, a ton of emphasis on, um, you know, which is uh, the creativity of the players. And, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten criticized. I've gotten fired from jobs because of it, but um, you know, I really think that, you know, it's it's fun to watch it's fun to play you know I think we really bring out some skills in our players that they didn't know that they have um, from what we do from our player development side and practice and you know really develop a skill set so some guys maybe you know weren't able to put up these kinds of numbers now all of a sudden you know are being able to have a more confidence in their ability and you know anything we can do to you know really uh, put more in their holster and and give these guys you know, better opportunities when they're seen to take advantage. We're all for doing it. And uh, it, listen, it's a lot of fun too. And it's funny because I always laugh when I, you know, in, when I think of you guys and, and, you know, and I, and I know you're the defensive guy, you know, and uh, my assistant coach, I've, I've got four of them. We've got a great coaching staff, one of the best in hockey, in my opinion. Um, you know, all the credit goes to these guys, but one of one, one of my assistant coaches in particular John Sacco, he is a, the most defensive, defensive person you can imagine. And him and I go at it nonstop. Lucas, you'd love to be in the room right, in, you know, <laughs> when we have those discussions because you'd be right on his side. And it's, it's a, every time we talk D, you know, it, it's, he rolls his eyes at me because he knows, <laughs> he knows I am not even listening to him. <laughs> 
but I took coach. That sounds like our power rankings arguments between Lucas and I, when I'm trying to rank these things, I'm looking at every offensive category I can look at to talk about the teams who can score amongst anything. He's looking at every defensive category and all we do is class. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of how it is in our coach's office, but you know, it's uh, we, we, listen, we've got an, an unbelievable staff there with, uh, with everybody that we have that, that contributes to this and, you know, you know, but the, really what, uh, what makes this work is, you know, being able to, to bring in quality players that, you know, really buy in really a high character that, you know, want to, uh, to work and want to, to get better. But, you know, and I think really where a lot of this offense comes from is what we do in practice. You know, we're, we're a team that works on passing, I would say 80% of the time. We always work on, on over speed. We always work on passing, you know, you know, crisp hard on the ice. I mean, I, I lose my mind in, in practice. If anybody sauces the puck, anything like that, I go absolutely nuts. You know, we want to move the puck crisp, um, and, you know, so we can get up and down the ice as fast as we can. And really we work on it all the time that in our skills and, you know, and uh, you know, I, cause I figure if you can pass the puck effectively, you know, you're already ahead of your opponent. Yeah, and, and some of the most successful teams that we've seen um, throughout the league, and especially the NCDC level, you know, to hear you talk about passing mirrors what we see from teams like the Islanders Hockey Club, who every single year are so successful because they've developed the system, they know the system, and they pass on the system. You know, it, it's that mentality of whatever the player is coming in, here's what it is. And, yep. and so I think that that's – that consistency, that continuation um, is, is so important to maintaining a team year after year, um, which is, is something I want to get to next. So the last couple of years, you have had an incredible batch of scorers, uh, most notably yeah. led by the Ledenkov brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we spoke at the um, Chicago Showcase, and you were talking about the challenges that you were facing having to replace just the sheer magnitude of points that some of the skaters that had moved on to the next level were essentially taking with them. Um, now I know part of that is the system, but I'm interested to hear what's the progress on, you know, on this year's recruitment, how is the team shaping up and, and what can we expect from the aviators this year? Well, I, I will say this, you know, and you know, when you talk about the Ledenkov brothers, I mean, those are two guys that are absolutely, you know, near and dear to me. I, I, they're, they're as good of players as they are. You know, what I like about them is they're, they're the two biggest goofballs you've ever seen. There's not, a, there's not an arrogant bone in their body. They're the, the nicest kids you've ever met. Um, you know, sometimes they share a brain, but other than that, they're, they're, they're fantastic. You know, I mean, they're, and, and they're special guys. I tell you what, they're, they're going to be tough to replace. And then you also look at Mike Mania, Noah Gold. I mean, you know, between Jacob Hanfast, between two lines, you know, we have to replace nearly 400 points. Um, but, you know, I always tell people, you know, we, you know, is special as uh, Mike Maney and Noah Gold and the Ledenkov brothers, you know, before them was Zach Ruley and before them was Oscar Lindbergh. And, you know, Oscar Lindbergh is actually one of our assistant coaches now. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I believe him and his, uh, his line mate that he had when, when they were together, um, one of them had 164 points in one season. The other one had 146 and they're one, they're number one and two overall in junior hockey history. Both were on our team. And then before them, you had a kid like Lane King with 115 points when I was coaching in Marquette. 
um, NCAA All-American, you know, and before him was Tim Talty. So for, we always seem to, you know, find these good players that come in and, you know, want to, want to, you know, play this style and really excel in it. Um, so we've been fortunate enough to have such good players throughout, you know, my last 10, 11 years of doing this, um, that, uh, we've got a couple nice tricks up our sleeve for this season. I think, uh, I, I, boy, I tell you what, knock on wood, but I think, uh, we might be, uh, offensively a little better than we were last year. Now, Coach, I want to jump in here because you talk about replacing over 400 points. And any other coach, that would be their entire roster for the last two years. For you, that's just some top-line forwards, you know. And what I want to know is, let's get inside the mind here. I'm sure the folks at home want to know how you do it year in and year out. What are you looking for this time of year? Obviously, this offseason has been different than any. But once you just got back from Colorado, what are you looking for? How do you fill those spots so successfully year in and year out and find exactly what fits your program? You know, you, you, you go and watch these kids and, you know, I think if you go to a showcase and to find two, three forwards are going to fit in your top six, you're, you're going to be disappointed. You know, I mean, the, the idea is to go in and just evaluate and, you know, if a guy jumps out at you, um, that's great. And then you have to go through the recruiting process because, you know, just because I want him doesn't mean he wants to come and play here. Um, you know, but, uh, what we generally look for, you know, at least on the forward side of things is, uh, you know, I really look at, at skating, um, you know, how fast a, a player can, can get up to speed. You know, a lot of the stuff he does with the puck when I'm watching a showcase or watching a game, I really don't, pay too much attention to because you know that stuff we're going to adjust and we're going to fix and, and change anyway um, but what we look for is just you know kind of uh, you know uh, the skating ability and then the other side of it is how he talks to people um, I like to kind of sit outside the the uh, the rink and I'll, I'll just kind of watch the kid and see how he interacts with his teammates or um, you know guys at the showcase how we talk which is you know if, if it's a type of player that kind of big times other coach you guys know what I'm saying like he doesn't you know he's kind of if let's say a, a team that's maybe not uh, too successful goes up and talks to him if he kind of blows him off then that's not really a guy we're interested in um, you know so those are the things we look at you know we look at the skating um, first and foremost and then really the big thing I look for is you know what kind of kid I can gauge in a, in a five-minute conversation you know sometimes I'm right sometimes I'm wrong but that's really what we look for, you know, how the player, you know, talks to his parents and his, his peers and, you know, talks to other coaches and, you know, how he answers questions, you know, not really right or wrong, but just, you know, if he's well-spoken and uh, those are things that I actually look more than the hockey because we can, you know, we have so much opportunity to develop players that, you know, the hockey will kind of take care of itself, but we want guys that are willing to work when nobody's watching them. You know what I mean? Like kind of that guy that is going to push himself. You know, every kid is the coach is staring at you is going to go 100 miles an hour. But I really want the guy that when I'm not paying attention is is working hard. And, and that's something that I always love about kind of what you do. And, and another another topic to get into here of, of what I one of my favorite things about how you coach, like what you do for these players, the defenseman position. 
we all know the defenseman position is about stopping a puck, being in the right place, you know, being able to play both sides of it, being able to lead, lead a rush out, being able to make a good pass when you need it. Being, you have to be versatile to play defense. But when you talk about scouting, you mentioned, you know, a scout may have a chance to look at you for 10 minutes. A college coach may have a chance to look at you for 10 minutes on a given day, and they got to bounce to the next rink or the next building or the next city or the next state. And, the defenseman position, as much as people want to say it's all about the defensive side of the ice, at the end of the day, there's a lot of decisions made in the scouting world based off that, that point number, based off those assists, based off those goals. And there are not a lot of scoring opportunities out there for defensemen always. And you look at what a Danilo Sakanos does when he comes into Brooklyn, and that is absolutely absolutely jaw-dropping the numbers that a defenseman puts up in that system and it immediately puts eyes on them and that's something that I've always respected about what you do well you know with 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 Sukinos, you know he's he's really a product of uh of our coaching staff um he's a, he's a tremendous kid but you know we got him when he was I believe 17 years old so he's been with us for a while I mean he he went off to to another team for a little bit and then came back. But, you know, you really saw him blossom and develop, you know, his offensive ability. But the other side of it is, is you know, the Sukinos of the world. Remember, you guys remember the year before Egan Wolford, um, you know, guys like that that are really offensive minded. You know, you kind of got to have that yin and yang thing because with every Sukinos there is, there's a Trent Markley or Josh Muzilakovich or Jack Kroll who really gets a lot of attention because, you know, if we get caught, you know, Sukinos gets caught up the ice, which we always send for all the time. We always have one defense. Kind of open up my my book here, but um, always every time up the ice, I always activate a D no matter what. So we're always sending one in deep. Um, but often, you know, every now and again, we're gonna we're gonna get caught, and now all of a sudden you have a guy like Trent Markley or Jack Kroll, who's you know who's the guy back that you know, we're counting on to make a good defensive play to basically bail me out. And that's, that's great because those guys also get some good attention because they'll make a solid defensive play because, you know, we're stuck, you know, up trying to, you know, you know, have a circus up front in the offensive zone. So they got to bail us out on the transition. Yeah. You don't have to worry about giving your playbook away. Jim Hankel, we were just talking to him this weekend from the NCDC Connecticut junior Rangers. He was in the NCDC championship two years ago against Mike Anderson. And right before game two, he's on our live pregame show, basically laying out his entire plan for game two to close out the championship series. So I said, that takes a lot of confidence, Coach Ankle. I was like, I don't know what you're doing. So I don't think you've given too much away just yet. You haven't gone to that level. We're not gonna, and what we do, I mean, you watch a game. I mean, it's, there's no hidden secrets whatsoever on what we do. Um, you know, we're obviously very aggressive. I mean, if you look at my penalty kill, more times than not, I have three forwards and one defenseman on the ice. Um, nearly all the time um, on the penalty kill because we are trying, you know, we're trying to take advantage of the fact that uh, we can, we can stretch the ice out and not have to worry about an icing. So, um, you know, a lot of times we can hit that home run play or, or catch a team sleeping on a quick two on one. So we'll do a lot of that. And then obviously in five on three situations, you know, our kind of general rule is if, if there's a five on three with anything over 50 seconds, doesn't matter if it's the first period um, we're pulling the goaltender, making it six on three. And I, I love that. I mean, and, and I got to admit, even as a defensive minded guy, I think one of the first times I saw that I got excited because it's not something that you see 
all the time. I think the only other time I've seen it in junior hockey is um, a game the NCDC Northern Cyclones playing against the Jersey Hitmen down, I think, four goals with nine minutes left of the second. They, they pulled, uh, pulled the goalie and went six on three and ended up turning the tide of the game. So every time I've well, you seen know it. You know what's interesting with us is we'll mm-hmm. do it. Well, you know, sometimes I, I always give the, the linesman a heads up. I'm like, hey, don't blow the whistle, They're, you know, because you're going to count six. My goaltender's not going to be in there. And they'll look at me like, I'm not, like I got three heads. You're like, what are you doing? It's the first period. You're, it's the first period and you're tied. But it doesn't matter. It will we'll be tied. Um, you know, we'll be up one, down one, doesn't matter. Um, you know, and that's, again, trusting in my guys that, you know, if there's three of them and six of us, we're going to score. You know, and if we're not going to score, we're going to be responsible enough, you know, to not fire the puck up high and wide. We're going to be smart enough not to put it buried in somebody's shin pads. You know, we're going to protect possession to where we don't get burnt on it. But I, I would say 90 out of 100, we're scoring. Yeah, that it, it really throws a, an opposing team into confusion, I'm sure, when they see that that six skater out there. Uh, yeah, we always we always wait. You know, like I said, you know, the – you know, if the faceoff's obviously down deep, if we're about a minute, if we win that draw, that goaltender's coming. And then, you know, you'll see our guy kind of back off a little bit and then wait for that six guy to get out there. And then, and then we go and set up. And we've got a couple of set plays for that, um, you know, where we, uh, you know, have a couple things depending on, on uh, what the, uh, the defense is doing, um, that the quarterback or our top guys can you know, adjust to and like two, three set plays, they, they take about two seconds and, you know, we should uh, usually score within, you know, within 10 seconds, you know, if we're, if we, if we execute properly. So, I mean, it's a high octane offense for sure. And, and the offensive numbers that you guys put up, you know, year after year are a testament to that. But one of the other common themes we've seen from a lot of other coaches is, you know, especially when you ask them around March, they say, you know, how are you guys doing? And every coach is just like, it's a long season. And, and the, the junior hockey season is a bit of a grind because between, yep. you know, two games a weekend, four game showcases, all the travel, all the practice, how do you guys come out in September with the fire that you have and maintain that fire all the way through playoffs? And, you know, two years ago, you put together that playoff run um, where, where the teams seem to get even better once playoffs hit. So how do you keep that, that physical and mental fire going all season long? We have a lot of fun. I'll I'll tell you that, but you you know, and I'll get into that in a second, but if you look at last year, last year, you you know, we did something a little different last year is we played, we played some preseason games. We played uh, the preseason showcase at the, uh, at the Hitmen, And then we did a a couple of preseason games with the Northern Cyclones. And I, I will tell you, I'll never do it again. You know, it's not that, you know, listen, the games we played up in Northern Cyclones was some of the best hockey I'd seen all year. Um, But we ended up losing three defensemen due to injury. And uh, so we walked into our first regular season game and, you know, we're having to dress forwards on the back end because it's game number one and we're already beat up from the preseason. So, you know, probably not going to do that. But if you look at last year, that resulted in us. We started off the season only going seven and five and, you know, including playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, we ended up finishing the season after starting seven and five was going 38 and eight. You know, I know after Christmas, we went on a 20 and and one run going into playoffs. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that 
you know, we, we keep it light, you know, we have, you know, we, we have some fun with the guys. Like, for example, when we, we, I've been doing this for years and, you know, some people agree with it. Some people don't, but you know, it's a long season. So anytime that we sweep a weekend, you come into Monday or Tuesday practice and it's a fun captain's practice. So we'll have the forwards playing goalies, the goalies playing out and we goof around and, and have some fun. And I think you have to do that you know, to just kind of keep it light during the year, because if you're just going to grind and grind and grind, you know, you're going to burn out in November, December, you know, whereas if you look at us historically, you know, usually that's the time we're really starting to pick up some steam. And I think a lot of it is just keeping it fresh. Um, you know, obviously we, you know, we work really hard to make sure that um, with our strength and conditioning coach that these guys are, you know, doing preventive uh, maintenance on their bodies, making sure they're staying in shape. But we also like to keep it a little loose mentally, provided that they're being successful on the ice, and and uh, we'll break it in, have a little fun, and then we'll we'll get into other things in terms of, you know, not necessarily beating these guys into the ground in practice, but again, working on things like passing and transition stuff that's not really going to take a toll physically, but is going to keep your mind sharp. So when you're you're going into game time, you you're pretty fresh. Yeah, and that's that, that's great to hear too because you know it seems like a fun group year after year. It seems like they've got some energy. You know, you you get a chance to like we do, like Dan and I do, to watch these guys up close and personal, and they just they sort of look like they're having the time of their lives out there. And that that's what is at the end of the day, like that we we always talk about how important getting to the next level is. And we always talk about how important being scouted, being seen, being at the top of your game. But at the end of the day, if you're not having fun playing hockey then you're in some deep trouble. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that's exactly right. And, you know, we don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we work hard, we put our time in, and, you know, we always tell, tell our players, you know, the first day, the first day they get there is, uh, you know, there's one statistic we want to lead in and, uh, you know, it's not goals for, it's not goals against it's, it's effort, you know, and as long as you're giving, you know, you know, working hard, then uh, the rest of it's going to take care of yourself. And if you're working hard, that means we can relax and have some fun. If you're not working hard, then all of a sudden the coaching staff has to take a different, you know, tone with the players. And, you know, we don't want to do that. Listen, it's a long year for us too. We enjoy going to the rink and, and uh, having some fun and, and working hard. And, you know, so as long as everybody's on the same page and we always, you know, Jimmy Ayuchi, one of our, our coaches here always says, it. he goes, you know, if you just meet us halfway in terms of effort and, and what you're putting into this, then, you know, we're going to really do well here. And, and that's kind of how it's been, you know, year in and year out. And I think that's a lot of our, our success because, you know, we, we, we tell our guys all the time, you know, nobody cares, you know, nobody cares, you know, about your problems, nobody, you know, outside of the locker room. So excuses, there's no excuse to not come in and, and work hard you know, and, and, uh, and put, put an effort in because, you know, the world's a tough place. A college, a, a college coach doesn't care if you had the sniffles that day, you got to perform. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the mentality that, uh, that we take with the boys is that, you know, it, you got to work for everything you're going to get in the classroom, you know, on the ice and, and most importantly, you know, character wise, um, making sure you're doing the right things. And, you know, I think, I think there's something interesting about the way that your team operates. And I think I'm almost going to start dubbing a new region of hockey. We talk about regions a lot. And I think there's going to be like the tri-state area hockey because it seems to be that all these teams in Jersey, in New York, 
uh, in Connecticut. They all play this this very fast, very aggressive, um, very uh, just very upfront, 200 feet from their own net kind of hockey. Um, so my last question for you is to talk about the USPHL showcases. Uh, Dan and I just got back from the summer showcase and obviously scattered throughout the year. There are multiple showcases where teams from all different regions, all different play styles get a chance to play each other. How do you prepare your team to go up against potentially four wildly different teams in the span of two or three days? You know, and that's, that's one thing is, is, you know, we really don't, um, we focus, you know, I, because we've, I've done it other ways and, you know, you sit down and you take a team and you break down all their film and, you know, in, in a couple of you know, obviously if you, you're talking a situation where, um, you know, you're trying to a playoff series or something is different, but like a showcase, you know, we don't want to take a team that, you know, we break them down and we kind of really overcoach it. And all of a sudden the guys get a a self sense of confidence and maybe they go out and don't put their best foot forward. You know, really what we try to preach to the players is, you know, we can control what we can control. We're going to, you know, the coaching staff is going to go through, they're going to, they're going to do, you know, we're going to do our breakdown and we're going to kind of give you the cliff notes of it, you know, tell you, you know, just look out for this and this, but just, just go play your game, make them stop you. Don't worry about, we don't generally worry too much about what they're going to do. You know, we want them to try to stop us. And that's kind of the mentality that we have. Um, sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it, it bites us in the tail a little bit. But, you know, that, that really takes the pressure off our guys and all they have to focus on is going to play their game that they're coached on and, and, uh, and not really worry about anything else. Because you look at the showcase and you're exactly right. Like you'll play, we play one game, we're playing the Metro Jets and it's, it's, a, it's a slug fest out there. And then, you know, you're going the next day and you're playing a completely different style of team. And I think for us, it's just easier just to focus on what we do and, uh, and, and, you know, really put the pressure on the other team to try to stop us. Now, Coach, the, the final question of the Q&A here before we get to our parting words and, and the closing of this show after Lucas's educational corner is something that I ask each and every team representative, each coach, each owner, each player, each former player, now in collegiate levels or, or professional ranks, I, I ask them the same thing. Why? the New York Aviators. If I'm a player, I'm a parent at home, I'm a family trying to work through my junior hockey experience. Why are the Aviators the right choice? Why is playing for Mike Stanaway the right choice? Obviously, we've covered it through this whole thing. And if you're not sold by now, I don't know what you're, what you're listening to, folks. This is, this is high running gun hockey, man. But coach, why the New York Aviators? Why should that parent or player make coach Mike Stanaway the next step in their junior hockey career? Well, listen, there's, there's a lot of great programs out there within the league. I, I, you know, my hat's off to, you know, a lot of these great teams and great programs. They, they really do a good job and you see, you see it displayed all the time, you know, with, uh, you know, with the showcases and all the different divisions in the South and the Midwest, everybody's, you know, a lot of good programs out there, but you know, with us, I mean, I think, you know, what really maybe separates us or I think makes us unique is, you know, really the involvement um, of our entire staff that, and, and, and how much we care about these players. Um, obviously you're going to come in here and you're going to have, you know, the coaching, you're going to, you know, really get that player development and that, 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 I guess, sense of a, a high octane offense and, and, you know, but the big thing here is, you know, we want to look at the other sides of things. We want to make sure that, you know, that you're prepared and taking, you know, the proper tests for, 
you know, for, for NCAA hockey or, or trying to help these guys on their path. Because a lot of things that we do that people don't know about is, you know, we try to find out what career path these guys want to go in. And if they want to go into business, then they can go down with John Dre check out what wall street's like um you know if you want to you know get a taste of teaching um you know you can you can talk to my wife and see what life is like being a teacher to try to really you know we really want to help these guys you know from a personal standpoint and, and here's the thing is you know we really do you know care about our players and what happens to them not only on the ice but personally and and, and their their growth as as an individual and as a student I mean, I just love it. You know, I mean, even to this day, I get kids. I had a kid yesterday that from my first 11 years ago, that's just fires me off a text, just, you know, tell me what he's got going on in life. And and that's the best part, right? I mean, we really, uh, you know, try to um, have an environment where these guys can excel and do well and, and uh, go on to great hockey careers. But also become great husbands and fathers and, and, uh, and really contributing members of society. And that's, that's what we're all pumped about. I absolutely love it. Coach. Every time I'm out there in Brooklyn, every time we see you guys on the road, it, it is class act through and through and the work you guys are doing out there from the broadcast booth with Joseph Coa to the Dreyer family behind the scenes, pulling the strings, making it all work to yourself and your entire coaching staff and the players. It is absolutely it, it's always an honor to even see you guys on the road. It's so much fun. We have so much fun working with you all. And before, don't go anywhere. We're going to close things out with Coach Stanaway. I ask everyone to stick around because it's now time for Lucas to remind the folks and players at home that each Dan K show presents junior hockey. And the junior hockey experience is not just about what happens on the ice. And Coach Stanaway could tell you that with his wife as a teacher. Lucas himself is a former teacher, current tutor, who works in the academic field, helps kids get to the next level in their academic journeys. Lucas, take it away with the Educational Corner. So this theme uh, for the Academic Corner is, interestingly enough, something that Coach Stanaway had said in reference to scouts. And it was the idea that nobody cares. And this is more along the lines of, you've made it to college, you might be playing hockey, your hockey career might have ended for one reason or another, but you're in college and you're in your freshman year classes. And the biggest thing that I have to tell the folks at home is that nobody cares and everybody cares. Nobody cares if you don't show up to class. Nobody's going to be on your back. Nobody is going to be annoying you. And so it becomes really easy to slip into that. And let's say you do go to classes, but you need extra help. Unless you go to office hours, nobody's going to care emailing your professor at the end of the semester with some excuse that you thought up two minutes ago, nobody cares, right? There's always an excuse for someone who didn't try. And I think that's one of the things that I noticed as a, as a teacher who did have office hours and I was only a, a high school teacher, but I still stayed after school open to anyone who wanted it and who was always there day after day the students getting A pluses, the students turning in work early, the students who by the end of the year were able to get into those better schools. If you want to help your own academic career, if you want to help your professional career, you need to care about you because unless you care and set aside the time to bother your professors with questions about the material, to go to the library and ask the librarian for help researching something, then unfortunately there's not really going to be anyone who's invested or cares about your academic success. 
tell you what, boys, if you don't mind, I'd like to chime in on that a little bit. Um, you know, that's, that's, I think you hit it right on the head and that's, that's the big thing, right. Is, is being invested, you know, not only as a hockey player, but as a student and, and caring about, you know, your future, because, you know, if you, if you, we always say, if you meet us halfway, boy, I tell you what, we're going to, we're going to run through a wall to, to help you. And, you know, listen, I, I get it. Right. I mean, especially from the education side of things. I mean, I, I was, I did it as a player. I mean, I, I, you know, did the college route and, you know, I've got two graduate degrees and, and I understand how it can be tough for these guys, but, you know, given effort is, uh, is, is the biggest thing that you can do to help yourself. And, you know, we, we had a young man not to take up too much time. And I don't know if you guys remember him. His name is uh, Artyom Puntas. And this is a kid, you talk about going out and creating your own opportunities. This is a young man. And I love telling this story, you know, you know, unfortunately, you know, he, we sent him to play NCAA and he played his first uh, year and a half and he ended up having a heart condition where he can't play anymore. But aside from that, this is a young man that, that showed up on our doorstep and he had $50 in his pocket. That's it. Nothing. And, you know, this kid worked, bussing tables, you know, um, you know, doing construction and he would go to practice and then he would work till 1am, 2am every night. And then right back at the rink at 8am, you know, so, cause he had to pay for all of his building, all of his hockey. And this is a, just wanted an opportunity for, to be successful in life, you know, because he comes from a, a very, very poor, poor background. And let me tell you something this young man's about to graduate college and uh, he's, he's going to join the U S military and, uh, and he's going to end up being an anesthesiologist. And this kid's going to go from $50 in his pocket to making 200,000 a year. How about that? All, all it is and all it is is effort, right? He cares. And that's it. And, that, and that's what it takes folks. And for you players at home, I mean, it's that extra effort. It's seen. I mean, so many times it's hard to take that extra step when someone's not looking right. But I mean, you, you see it pay out every day and it might not always pay out in the timeline that you want. It might not always pay out at the exact moment you think it's supposed to come, but it'll get there. You keep grinding, you keep pushing you're, you're talking to a guy here in Dan K who got a, over a hundred no's trying to apply for his first job in the sports industry before the door opened for the first time. Sometimes you got to run into a wall and just create the hole yourself, you know, and, and that's something that, you see guys like that do, and, and those stories are what that's what Lucas and I do this for, coach. I know that's what you coach for. It's why you're behind the bench. And it's it's why a lot of us are in this industry, the folks who are doing it for the world. I, I tell you what, we've, we've all done it, right? I mean, how many, how many times you're told no? I, I tell you what, I remember if you could look back on the team um, that I coached, you know, when I really started kind of getting a little name for myself and, and building up a little bit of a reputation is when I was coaching in Marquette and I took a team that didn't exist and we ended up going to nationals and then we came over to New York and did the same thing. And a lot of people, what a lot of people don't know is, you know, you really got to work hard as a coach and, you know, I get what, get it, you know, trying to go through a wall and, and being told no. And, and uh, I, I remember that team I had to, I, you know, I wasn't making any money coaching back then. And I remember coaching that team sleeping in my car to recruit a national championship team. And that's what it took. And eventually the door is open because you work hard. And if you're determined to do it, you know, good things happen. That's it. I, yeah. I, and that's like, that's the kind of stuff that's how you find success. I always hear people say like, 
you see someone like yourself, coach, and, and I'm sure you've heard before, man, you're lucky. You know, you're working in sports, you're coaching a hockey team. And, and I've heard it before myself. Oh, man, you're working in sports broadcasting or you're working in, in the media industry and, and you're lucky. And, you know, I remember, I remember getting my grad degree, coaching college baseball as a 23-year-old college graduate, trying to get my grad degree and driving three and a half hours a day as an intern at, at the MLB Network in Secaucus, back and forth between New Haven and Secaucus, New Jersey five days a week and then coaching on the weekends and weeknights and waking up at five in the morning to wait to work out with our pitching staff because I wanted to lead by example and it was my first time coaching I didn't want to I didn't want to screw up and you know you, you think about those days and it's it's easy to relish in the moments you're in as you get down the line and you, and you get to that success but it's always big to remember the journey along the way and that's something so important and we've had a great journey on this show today and before we close out, before we get to our parting words that we do each week, uh, a coach, I, I, I have to bring up a, a sad story right now at the Aviator Hockey Club, and one that is, is obviously just devastating for the hockey community, for the Aviator family, and the loss of 12-year-old of Taylor Richelson, son of Coach Chris uh, Richelson, this week for the Aviator family. I, I got to imagine that's, that's hit home. It's, it's hit hard. Um, could you, could you just, uh, we, we give our love to the aviator family. I hope everyone's holding up all right there. And to all that, are, to all that listen to us each and every week, coach, could you tell us a little bit about Taylor, uh, about kind of his family and maybe how folks can get to that GoFundMe page and help out? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, I, I don't even know, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's gut wrenching. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're feel horrible for the family. You're, you're angry because I mean, it's a child that's an 11 year old boy that's, you know, taken and, and, uh, you know, you just sit there and ask why. And, you know, I, I can't imagine, right. I mean, I've, I have three boys and I, I can't imagine what Chris and his wife are going through and the nicest people, right. And this kid, you know, such, such a nice kid, right? I mean, he, you know, he would, he lights, he lights up the room, you know, I mean, his dad is, his dad is one of the nicest people you're going to meet. He'd give you the shirt off his back. And, you know, you see something like this happen to, you know, such a, you know, an innocent child and, and somebody that was so bright and, and such a loving kid, you know, you you go on and read these stories on social media that, you know, his family and friends are, are reminiscing and it's, you just can't help, it, you know, just be so sad and, you know, but, uh, it's horrible, right? I mean, you can't even put words in it and, you know, such a great family and, and such a, a terrific boy. And um, yeah, I mean, he's the same age, uh, my boy, Mikey, that you guys always see at the rink. They're, they're on the same team. And um, you know, it's uh, the, the, all those kids. I mean, they're such good kids and to have something like this happen is you can't even put words on it. You know, I mean, it's, it's just awful. And I, my heart goes out to, you know, obviously my prayers are, are with the boy and, and, uh, but to his mom and his dad, I, I can't imagine what they're going through. And it's just, you know, no parent should lose a child. And, and, and I tell you what, that kid, that, that smile, you guys, you guys would love him, right? I mean, everybody talks about the, you know, how his smiles, you know, is infectious and what a, what a great kid. And, it's just, it's, you hate to see it, you know, and, but, it, you know, to help the family out and I think they're going to do some, uh, 
some uh want to make some donation to you know looking into to brain aneurysms and, and that's what happened with the boy um you can go on the aviator social media there'll be a link with the uh the gofundme you know i encourage you obviously hockey is such a, a close-knit community is you know help out any way you can and it's uh such a sad thing that you know you just never get over and and uh, unfortunately you know the richelsons they they've got some tough days ahead and you know, but, uh, you know, we're, we're all there for them, you know, and that's, that's all you can do at this point is, you know, you know, just be there to support, but, uh, it's just, just a terrible tragedy. And we, we asked the, the Dan K show fan base. We asked the folks that watch us each and every week, we asked the hockey community come together. And, and as you always do, as this, as this community always do, does hockey, it's such a family sport, but it all starts with learn to skate and parents out in the ice with their kids to, to billet families, bringing in kids that they've never met from around the world and, and making them feel at home in a, in a new place, a strange area, a new world as they, as they go through some of the formative years of their lives, through college, through professional ranks. You, it's a family game. It's a close-knit community, and we ask you all to come together. The Aviator Hockey Club at Aviator Hockey. There's a GoFundMe page. The family will be donating to uh, brain aneurysm charities. I, I, I ask that you please give if you can. It please, if you, if you can't give, it's hashtag stick taps for Taylor. Folks are leaving sticks out for him, sending, sending their messages into the Aviator family. And please, you can reach out to them at Aviator Hockey with your picture of your stick on the doorstep for the Richelson family. And, and like Coach Danaway said, it's – it's a tragedy like no other when you when you lose anybody but when a 12 year old hockey player with so much in front of them it's it's something that i ask everyone just to to hold your loved ones close today to to remember taylor to to look at the pictures posted by the aviator hockey club and see that infectious smile that they talk about and and truly cherish what we all have the opportunity to be which is involved in the game of hockey playing every day we have our, our health and our futures ahead of us and, and we need to each and every one of us need to take full advantage of that each and every day to the Richelson family we are here for, for anything and, and to the aviator family the same goes for that we coach we thank you so much for being on and, and what we do now is we make the tough transition into our parting words and Lucas I know you're silent each week so I will skip you on that one but but coach I go to you your parting words for today's podcast for the folks at home we thank you so much for joining us obviously the aviator family it's it's one of a kind coach it's one of a kind it's you don't see it everywhere in the country obviously we deal with so many great organizations there's so many great owners there's so many great coaches there's so many great organizations out there but that Brooklyn there's something about Brooklyn hospitality that is two Jersey guys Lucas and I have have grown the love and, and you coming from all the way out in the Midwest there as a Michigander, you, I'm sure you've grown to love it as well. And you've become a part of it. Could you, could you give us your parting words for today's show? What you want the folks at home to know before this thing closes out? Well, I just, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on and being able to share a little insight in our program and, you know, obviously we want to want everybody to keep their prayers for the, the Richardson family. I mean, that's, uh, first and foremost, you know, the, all the hockey, the recruiting, you know, everything we do is, is fun, but you know, there's obviously bigger things at stake right now. And, you know, so if we could keep the, everybody in their prayers and, you know, and, and, and like I said, if you're, uh, 
interested in the aviator program and you want to learn more about it, feel free to, to hit me up on Twitter. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, feel free to answer any questions that anybody might have, but I tell you what, boys, I am so looking forward. You know, we all lost a coronavirus last year. Let's get back at it, play some hockey, get back in the ranks and, and, and have some fun here. I can't wait. My parting word this week, each and every week, I try to think of something that really makes sense. And today uh, it's the word opportunity. And what I think of with the word opportunity is seizing opportunity. And it's been such an interesting last couple of days for me. I, I lost a, a mentor of mine from my collegiate days, Ron Waite. Uh, Dr. Ron Waite was the the department chair for the sports communications and, and communications department at Albertus Magnus College, my undergrad. And he was the guy who started me on my path into broadcasting. I mean, I had been broadcasting in high school. I loved it. And he, he pushed me one day. I, I still remember this day that the day that I, I really think took me from a guy who loved broadcasting and loved sports to somebody who became a broadcaster professionally. And I was sitting in the class, I was an intern as for the SID department, the sports information department, and I am, I'm sitting there, and I knew that they lost their public address now. So he was an older guy. He was no longer going to do it, and there was an opening. There was an opportunity. They could come be the public address announcer at Albertus Magnus College. We had a great basketball team. They were looking for somebody to do it, and Ron knew I broadcasted. I loved to do it. He said, well, then why aren't you? You're already interning there. Why are you not asking about it? And I said, I don't know. I, I I just don't feel like I'm the right fit. The guy before me was good. I've, I've not really done PA. And he said, just get in there and ask him. Walked in, I asked. And next thing you know, I'm on the mic that night doing a game. And, and Lucas still knows I can still recite in the car. Lucas, I know you've heard it a million times. The, the uh, Be Loud, Be Proud, Be Positive campaign by the NCAA. I still have it memorized. My entire spiel before each game and my my three-point calls and, and each and everything. And, and since then, I have never looked back and have continued broadcasting. And Ron was always there to check in. He was always there anytime I saw him. I could not talk to him for three years. We bumped into each other. The conversations would start again. Ron was such a big advocate for the athletic department. Every single picture of my baseball playing career of my two years there after I, tr I transferred from junior college was taken by Ron Waite and posted all over my Facebook. So, I mean, opportunity. He taught me I should seize an opportunity. You see something, the, the tragic loss of Taylor Richelson. Seize opportunities. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know if there's injuries afoot or bigger things afoot, or we don't know how long we'll get to play this game. We don't know what we'll get to do in life, but we always have opportunity. And destiny is no matter of chance. It's a matter of choice, and we have to make choices every day and seize opportunities every day. Get out there play hard. We thank the USPHL for being a proud sponsor of the Dan K show presents junior hockey. And we thank you for watching each and every week when Dan K is on the mic, it is always hockey night. Want to be a guest, reach out to us at www.dankshow.com. We thank Mike Stanaway, coach of the New York aviators for joining us on this week's Dan K show presents junior hockey.